You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. Hopefully this is one of the last real cold spells before spring finally hits. Well, we just want to welcome all of you and glad to be able to share this time together. Uh, we were very blessed this morning with Josiah Sherricks uh, leading us in worship this morning. And uh, that, believe it or not, is Anna's brother. So we actually swapped Anna's in Boston this morning, leading worship there. They just had a powerful women's conference this past weekend. A lot of our ladies were able to participate in that. But uh, we thought, let's trade worship leaders for the weekend. So um, I trust that you were blessed by that worship. I surely was. But uh, great to have all of you here this morning. And uh, I, I, I'm going to share a couple jokes with you, if that's okay. Do I have your permission to do that? And I don't know if you, you know, maybe you're attending college, maybe you've attended college, maybe you've graduated college, maybe not. I don't know. But uh, there was a, a professor uh, leading an English class, and it was in the lecture hall. Had about 800 students. It was an introductory class that kind of was weeding out the students as they were advancing. And so they were having this major exam uh, at the end of the course. And uh, the professor got up there and he said, okay, this is a two-hour exam. You have two hours to complete the exam. If it's late, you're going to fail automatically. And so one student shows up about 30 minutes late. He goes up and he gets his uh, uh, exam pamphlet. And he returns to his seat. And, and the, well, the, before he returned to his seat, the professor said, okay, uh, you don't have enough time to complete this. It's going to take at least two hours to do it. He said, I'll get it done, and I'll turn it in. So two hours is up, everybody leaves, they turn in the exams. That one late person was sitting there, 30 minutes later, he finally finishes. It goes up to the professor and wants to turn it in. And the professor said, nope, it's a fail. Uh, because it's late, and you're late. And the student said, do you know who I am? The professor said, no, I don't know who you are. He said, you don't know who I am? He said, I don't care who you are. Good. So he took the stack of exams there. He picked it up and stuffed it in there and walked off. <laughs> so I don't necessarily recommend you doing that, but uh, uh, maybe got away with it or not. I don't know. But uh, uh, those of you that have gotten married, many times you go to different places and you register for gifts and you let... Uh, the people you invite to the wedding, this is for the brides, of course, uh, know where you're registered at. And the registry is basically a place where you decide what you would like to get rather than getting all these blenders and things that you don't have any use for and you just have to give them away to somebody else when they have a wedding. So there's this one gal that she decided, I'm going to go to JCPenney and I'm going to uh, put a few things on the registry there, some linens and some uh, dishes. And so, uh, from time to time, you know, people in places that have these registries get calls and, and they get changes. And so this gal decided, I'm gonna, I need to call and make a change. And, and so the, the service person she was talking to said, oh, this is no problem, this often happens. Uh, so what would you like changed? Uh, with something with the linens or something with the dishes? And she said, no, uh, the name of the groom. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, not a good thing. I, 
Maybe it is a good thing. I don't know. But anyway. Uh, yes. Uh, and you may have heard this statement. Success is relative. The more success, the more relatives you have. Okay. Yeah. And then finally, I got one more. You ready for this one? If you think nothing is impossible, try slamming a revolving door. Okay, that's, I, I, that wouldn't. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> Did somebody say something? You never really know what's going to happen behind you. you. I've always wanted eyes in the back of my head. I, I always thought my mom had those, you know, because she could see and catch everything. She didn't miss anything, but yeah, okay. Well, that kind of threw me off a little bit. <laughs> kind of watch out behind you, right? Well, this has been now, uh, we have had our relaunch almost a month ago as we have begun this venture as, uh, with a new name. And, and realize that as a body of believers, God, I believe, has given us a new identity. Uh, he's given us a new name for a new season as we reach out to impact this community, as we reach out to touch our world for Jesus. And I'm excited about what God is doing. And I know that there's so many great things he wants to do through us as individuals, through us as a corporate body. And we're grateful for that. So much, you know, and you've heard even in Chris's testimony this morning, uh, what a refuge is and what does that mean to you? What will that mean for this community? Uh, I've actually been reading in the uh, tree, actually it's the tree of life version of the Bible. It's actually a messianic translation. And so some of the wording's a little different, but uh, there's a couple of verses I've read the, uh, that talk about refuge. One is Psalms 59 verse 17. It says, but I... I sing of your strength. Yes, in the morning I sing aloud of your loving kindness. For you have been my fortress, a refuge in the day of my trouble. We realize that there's people in trouble. There's people that need a refuge. There's people that need a safe place, a shelter, where they can come and find their true identity, where they can find answers, where they can find authentic hope, where they can be built up in, in what God has ordained for them to be. And, and so we believe that as a refuge, the dynamic of this church is, is to be welcoming the people, not just friendly. And there's a difference to just welcome somebody and to really reach out and extend yourself to them because it's, it's touching lives that's going to make a difference. And, and people don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care. They really want to know that you're concerned, that you have a genuine concern and well, uh, you know, for people's well-being. In Psalms 62, verses 8 and 9, we know that our refuge is in God. On God, the Scripture says, My salvation and my glory is the rock of my strength. My refuge is in God. Verse 9 goes on to say, Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart in His presence. God is our refuge. I believe this is the place we can come and we can just pour out our heart. We can just kind of let our guard down and really be open to what God wants to do in our life because I believe more and more that God wants to 
encounter us with his love and impact our lives in such a way so that we'll come to know who he truly is. Because so many people have a false concept of the character of God and who he really is and what he wants to do in this earth. And so we are representatives of Jesus and we want to be able to represent him for who he truly is and, and what he does. And, amen? Can you say amen to that? Yeah, so we have been addressing relationships and, and this is kind of concluding the series this month, month on the subject, and there's so much to share, and so I, I really feel we're just highlighting and targeting some issues that I believe are relevant and important for us to really grow in God and, and grow in healthy relationships. And I want to ask this question this morning, and, and I, I know that there are people here that really need something significant in their life. They, you, you just need something to get you through maybe a difficult time uh, a time of stress, something that has really maybe been heavy upon your heart. So my question is, who among us, who among us today needs God to show up in our life? And I believe God wants to show up in your life today in a significant way. So we're going to join our faith together as we pray before we uh, continue with this message. Father, we honor you and we give you praise and glory for the privilege of being able to gather as, as a body of believers we thank you for giving to us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Help us, Father, to comprehend and understand, Father, your purpose and your plan for our lives. In Jesus' name, we commit this time to you. Help us, O oh God, to grow in a greater understanding of, of what our role in this earth is. In Jesus' name, amen. I also wanted to mention, mention with Refuge Kids back there, the worship team, after they're done here, they go back and they minister to the kids so they have their own praise and worship back in the children's area. And it's because we really value kids. So uh, very often, you know, they can be in part of this service, but we want to take the worship right back uh, to minister to them. So, uh, so if you see people slipping out during that time, that's the reason they've slipped out. We have shared with you that God is the author of relationship. In fact, his intent is to cultivate healthy relationships. Um, healthy relationships are, I believe, what we all seek for as individuals. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that you're not purposely seeking an unhealthy relationship. Uh, if you are, maybe, uh, well, we'll have prayer at the end of the service. But... Um, Right relationship, we have stated, is the ability to properly, properly relate to someone, to be able to properly relate to another person. In fact, um, conflict is usually a result of the inability to properly relate to another person. And so conflict is the result in those situations. Now, I believe we need relationships to survive. We really do. You know, you can talk about being a hermit, uh, but really, for survival, we need relationships. We depend on relationships. And sometimes we want to almost become a hermit because we've been hurt, we've been offended, we've been burned, we've had difficult situations, so we don't want to trust, we don't want to step out there and encounter other people and build relationships because we're afraid of rejection, we're afraid of heartache and uh, all kinds of junk. 
uh, from a negative vantage point that's associated with, with relationships that go wrong. But we need relationships to survive, to grow, to thrive, and to succeed in this life. We need relationships. So we have to address it. We can't just put our head in the sand and pretend, well, it's going to all get better. No, we, we have to deal with issues. And those hard issues that people have to deal with in relationships, whether it's marriage, uh, friendship, sibling rivalry, uh, co-workers, there's, there's a lot of things. And then from that standpoint, on the individual level, then we go up higher and look at community and nations and states and all that. There's relational conflicts that exist at every level. But I believe God wants to be involved and invited to help to uh, intervene in, in those situations. Now, this comes from Dr. Seuss, and don't uh, throw spears or dice at me because I'm sharing a Dr. Seuss, Seuss thing in church. But uh, this statement says, Sometimes you will never know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. I think that's profound. And so what I'm, the reason I shared that is because I believe we need to place a value on the relationships we have in, in the time that we have to spend with people. You know, we're seeing our kids growing up, and, and it's just happening way too fast. You know, Michaela is graduating this year from high school, and it, it seems that in my mind I see her as this two-year-old girl running up to daddy and, and me grabbing her and taking her in my arms. I can't do that anymore. You know, she, you know, not, yeah, well. She, she's an adult. And she just turned 18 and she said, Dad, how does it feel to have uh, three adult children? And I thought, wow, yeah, I, I didn't really think about that. We still have Mackenzie. She's 14, going on 15. But, you know, even with that, you know, before we know it, she's going to be gone. So the time we have, we have to place such a value on those relationships. And even sometimes we, we, we just put up with something until we can get to the next place. And we fail to really enjoy the moment and the journey that God has, has called us to live. And so I want to challenge you this morning to, to value the time you have with people. Don't just tolerate them. Purpose to really enjoy that so that at some point it won't just be a memory. Oh, yeah, wasn't it wonderful when we had that time together? But maybe you didn't value it in the moment, and so you miss something. Don't miss out on what God has for you. We shouldn't live our life with regret. Oh, I wish I would have did this. I wish I would have spent more time with the kids. I wish, you know, whatever, but... So recommended reading, again, we've shared with you The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman and then Telling Each Other the Truth by William Backus. And I have a copy up here today of Telling Yourself the Truth, and it's a great book. I'm going to share one thing from this book today, a little bit later, that I believe will greatly benefit you in, in this whole thing about uh, understanding the importance of relationships. So today, as we look at, uh, we want you to turn to Ephesians 4, verse 11, Starting at verse 11, we'll look at verse 13, which is our key verse for this message this morning. But we want to look at our checklist this morning, uh, and it lives up to my standards. And as we've started out, we started out with the checklist with a great smile, uh, never gets angry. Last week, 
uh, puts me first. You know, these are things that people look for in building relationships, and it may be kind of me-focused, but yet it's knowing that the people we associate with are going to greatly impact our life. And so uh, we know that uh, as we look at today's checkpoint on this checklist, lives up to my standard, it really determines, you know, who we want to associate with. Because who we associate with will determine the direction our future will take. Because you can associate with the wrong people and go down the wrong path and then suffer heartache because of it. Now, and I like to say this because there are certain people we need to reach out to that very often, like, they're not the kind of people that we want to really build life together with, but yet somebody needs to reach them. And something that I've established in my own life is that if I can be a dominating influence in a person's life, that's my safety zone, you know, because if I can influence that person, if, if they maybe have a different standard than I do, rather than have them influence me, then I can interact with that person up to a certain level to be an influence in their life, to bring them into in the place I am, not necessarily them taking me to the place where they are you know, depending on where we're positioned, okay? Because I, I'm going up higher uh, in my walk with God, in my relationship with him, in my understanding with him, uh, with a standard that he has set for me. And, and so let's look at this passage here because this has such meat in it. And uh, we could just talk about this passage, this whole message, but we, we want to highlight on a number of things. So Ephesians chapter 4 Starting at verse 11, uh, we see, Scripture reads, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Now before I go on, it's understanding that when Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave certain gifts to the church. And these gifts are actually giftings that reside in people. And these giftings have a specific assignment that God has ordained to accomplish within the church, within our lives. And so, uh, reading on, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. So here we see what is known as the fivefold ministry, which uh, God has set in the church for a specific assignment. We're going to see what that is. Verse 12, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And so the role I serve as a pastor is a role to equip the saints, to equip believers so that they can serve the purpose of God. And so even my role today is to help equip you to succeed in your calling to equip you to succeed in your assignment in life because every one of us has an assignment that God has given. He's appointed us to accomplish something in this earth. You were born with a purpose. You were born with a plan that God preordained from the foundations of this world. And if we believe that Father knows best, there's an element of trust where we trust God for his plan, not only that he will reveal it to us, but that we'll be able to live it out and fulfill it because sometimes in my own life, I've looked at things, God, you called me to do that? And I'd shake my head, you've got the wrong person. Especially when it came to being called to be a pastor, I, 
I thought, no way, that is not me. I, I could not see myself doing what I'm doing today until I got close enough to God and I could see things more and more from his vantage point and his perspective. So going on to read in verse 13, which is actually a key verse for this message today. Says this will continue. What will continue? The equipping, the building up of the body, okay? This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Wow. Okay, we got to get this picture, folks, because. If we look at the state of the church, it's easy to become very, very discouraged because when we look at the standard of what we're to be like, we look at Jesus. He is the standard. When we look at ourselves, we see we fall so short of that standard. And, and yet, this is something that God's ordained. He's ordained for us to be more like the standard, to be more like Jesus, so that we grow in knowledge and understanding and, and to the full and complete standard of Christ, so that that's something we begin to live out. Now, you might say, well, I, I, I can't see this ever happening in the earth, within the church, but yet this is what God's ordained. And I believe it can happen, and I believe it will happen. And I believe in our heart, the leadership of this church of refuge is to see it happen right here. If it happens nowhere else, let it, even happen, let it happen here. But, but I believe that the church is far bigger than just refuge. And what God is doing in the earth extends beyond what we can comprehend and imagine. And, and Jesus said something, and this is something I, I bank on, is that, I will build my church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So if he's building it, it has to succeed. Also, there's a hiccup here. There's a, a bump in the road here. There's uh, some challenges here. But ultimately, Jesus will accomplish what he wants to do. We see that in this passage. Now, I share this because it's important for us to know if we're looking for a standard, that's the standard we need to embrace for our life, okay? Uh, and, and yet we often say, how can we live up to that standard? Well, it's not just in your own strength. It's not just you doing it, but it's God doing it in you and through you. And that's, that's what we need to understand. That God is longing and he desires to do a work in each of us so he can do something through us. So it's more of a cooperation with God, and sometimes it's getting self out of the way, getting pride out of the way, getting these elements out of the way that is actually hindering God from doing what he wants to do because he is the enabler. He's the one who empowers us. He's the one who makes us into what he wants us to be because it's his work. And part of it is, well, we believe, we trust, and we go with his flow which sometimes can be difficult because we often have another agenda. We have another idea, another plan, and it may not exactly line up with God's agenda and plan for our life, okay? So, now there are relationships within the church 
and outside of the church that we need to nurture. And so when we're looking with our checklist uh, to build a relationship, does this person live up to my standards? Well, it depends what your standard is and if you even have a standard. Because your standard may be an unreasonable expectation that you put on people, and maybe nobody can ever live up to that standard. And often, that's what happens in the marriage. There's, there's, there's a standard there, and the one spouse or the other feels like it's impossible because this person, I can never please them. I can never be good enough. I can never accomplish what they want me to do to be who they want me to be. And so our focus, and, and I, hear me this morning, because our focus should not always try to be what that person wants us to be, but as a Christian, as a believer, let us focus on the standard Jesus and what he wants us to be. And when that becomes our focus, then there will be changes in our life and other people will take note of that. Because you see, I think godliness is a very attractive quality in the person. And you know, I mean, I've heard this said before. I won't tell you who I heard it from. But some people say, well, if you want to find a good girl, go to church. Because they have values. They, they're, they're taught the word. They're, they're taught to be faithful. And, and, and you know, and, and there's truth in that. But if somebody's coming to church, just if that's their only motive, maybe they get them through the door. But then God can encounter them and, and you know, take it from there. But uh, know that uh, the standard of Christ is what we need to be aiming for and shooting for. Uh, is it possible to measure up? The phrase uh, live up to a standard actually means to reach a standard that is high. And that's according to phrasemix.com. Interesting website. They have all these phrases and they actually give de their definitions of these phrases. To help also further explain what a standard is, a standard is a rule for measurement, something set that can never be changed. Okay, I, you want, wonder what I have this here. This is a ruler, and that's interesting, even that name ruler, that sounds like, is, is that some, you know, it's a rule, it's a standard. This is a yardstick, and if it's true to the standard, this, this can't be changed. And we can use this to measure things, okay? And how you stand up to the standard. Now, I'm six feet two, so if do the math, you know, two of these and another couple inches, uh, you know, reach my height. Now, Josiah, he needs, you know, more because he's pretty tall. He has to almost duck when he walks through the door, but... Anyway, there are false standards. And in fact, in the Bible, the, the word talks about, and the prophets were talking about the false standards. They were an abomination to God. They were false weights because they were taking advantage of people, cheating people. Uh, you know, the, the standard, that when they would weigh out things, okay, we're going to give you uh, one pound of, of grain, and, and then they would weigh it on the scale to be one pound. And they had sometimes different sets of standards, so they would have a lighter weight and give them less than what they paid for, and that was wrong. 
And so often we're living a double standard. What we think is okay and what we expect for somebody else, we have a different standard for ourselves. And that's wrong. And, and see, I don't know if I'm rambling today, but in, in Christianity, often why the church abhor, why the world abhors the church is because they see a double standard. And, but if we were aiming for the standard of Jesus, then they wouldn't see a double standard, would they? Um, standard in Webster's 1828 Dictionary is defined as that which is established by a sovereign power as a rule of measure by which others must be adjusted. I like that, adjusted. I was in the office before service, and, and um, Benjamin and uh, Hadassah were there with uh, Mackenzie. And I walked out of my office with this, and, and right away, take a hole. <laughs> and, um, you know, you may not believe in corporal punishment, but... Uh, you know, the, the Bible does teach about that, not that, in, but in, you know, as long as you don't abuse anybody. But you, you, you see this, oh, this makes a, a good, you know, adjuster, you know, when discipline needs to be applied. But even with that, the concept of that, of a standard is, is to bring adjustment in our life, to bring correction in our life when we need to be corrected, okay? And so I better put that over there so I don't trip over it, okay? Anyway, um, a question for you in our checklist, what are the standards that you look for when building relationships with others? Um, and we ask, what are they? And how do those standards affect how you love people? Because, see, sometimes the standard that you set can cause you to fail to love somebody that needs to encounter the love of God. Because if God is going to change a person, he's going to use a person to reach them. Okay? And so if, if our standard is so high, well, I want nothing to do with that person. You're walking by, you look the other way. But they need to be reached. Okay? So you can't just look the other way. Jesus didn't look the other way. Jesus came upon a scene where they brought a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. And by definition of the law in her day, she deserved to be stoned. Now what was interesting, because the law applied for both men and women, but where was the guy? He was nowhere to be found. But they brought the woman. And Jesus could have just walked by that scene. I don't want anything to do with that. You know, this is adultery. That's, that's not my deal. But no, he stopped and he addressed that situation. And he addressed that woman that was caught in the very act of adultery who deserved by the law of that day to be stoned to death. But Jesus made a statement. He said, neither do I condemn you. Because, you know, the profound wisdom of Jesus was, he who has no sin, let him cast the first stone. I mean, they were ready to tear into her. They had stones. And one by one, those men began to drop their stones and walk away. Because no one there was without sin. And they knew they 
were not without sin. Jesus was the only one without sin, and he was the only one that had the right to throw a stone, but he didn't. He forgave her. But even in forgiving her, he didn't say, just go on, keep committing adultery, that's fine. No, he said, go and sin no more. He empowered her to live free from the sin of adultery. She became a very powerful follower of Christ. It's amazing, the love of God, when we encounter it and how it transforms and changes us. And you might be a person who's, who may say, because your standard is so high, why can't anyone live up to my standard? And maybe it's because your expectation is unreasonable. Now whether, um, and, and you may even say, how can I live up to your standard, God? And whether it's God, your spouse, or friend, maybe they've set a high standard for you. But you haven't always lived up to them, to those standards. A standard is what we aim for. It's what we measure ourselves against. So it's, it's not, and we're going to fall short of the standard many times. Uh, in our marriage, Deb and I, I mean, I have fallen short of her standard, of her expectation different times. And, and what I love about her is, is she forgives. And because of our connection, we know that no matter what conflict we face, there's nothing that we can't resolve because we're committed to resolving it so that we can have harmony, so we can have honesty, so that we can have unity in our relationship. Because I don't, I don't want to just walk away for, from something and say, okay, forget that. I don't want to deal with that. No, we have to deal with those things. And, and many times the reason marriages break up because the two just don't want to resolve those things. They don't want to deal with it. And so it, it becomes so impossible to deal with it that it, it ends the relationship. Now, Someone stated, my parents are never proud of me. I can't live up to those extreme high standards. Now, maybe every one of our kids have uh, said this one time or another to us, but we need to also firm love. And, and, I, and I think sometimes we can have ideas and things that we embrace, and it boils down to becoming a misbelief. And what's a misbelief? I want to address that for a moment. A misbelief is a wrong or a false assumption that you believe to be true. It is to believe wrong or to hold an erroneous belief. Now, most of what happens in your life happens because of the way you think. Okay? You need to understand that. There's, and there's three steps to becoming a person that you were or are meant to be. And the first one is to locate your misbeliefs. You may be telling yourself lies. You may be saying, I'm unlovable. Who, who can love me? That is a misbelief. And if you've said that, if you've thought that, it's not true. Because no matter who you are, the one who created you loves you, and you can't ever change that fact. That's reality. In fact, you can't do anything to cause him to stop loving you. That's how profound his love is, because his love is not based 
on condition. It's not based on a condition. It's an unconditional love. It's based on who he is. He simply loves. You know, even, you know, um, there's times I may not be happy with my children, but that doesn't stop me from loving them. Maybe they didn't comply. Maybe they didn't do what they were supposed to do. Maybe they were disrespectful. But that doesn't stop me from loving them. Okay? And so, so locating your misbeliefs, if you think I'm unlovable, or I'll never find somebody that lives up to my standards, or I'll never find somebody that I can really build a relationship with, uh, realize that's a misbelief. So, Remove them. And if, if your misbelief is uh, nobody will ever love me or I'm unlovable, then you need to say, I am lovable. And then replace your misbeliefs with the truth. Number three, it's wrong for me to say I'm unlovable. I am loved with an everlasting love by the God of this universe. Hallelujah. And so... I want to challenge you today to reach for a higher standard, reaching out for more with the determination to succeed in relationships. Um, in, in, in fact, uh, part of it is making quality decisions. And a quality decision is a decision you make with a determination. And I think sometimes people, because they fail to make decisions, their life goes nowhere. There's no real direction or directive in their life because they haven't made a decision. It's decisions that move you forward in life. When you get to a certain place, when you make a decision, then you can advance in your walk and your growth. And so make a quality decision to reach for a higher standard, the standard of Jesus. Now, what standard have you embraced? Or what standard are you willing to embrace for your life? We asked some, I asked some questions yesterday. I asked three people. Uh, we actually went to the Chinese New Year celebration at the rec center. There were a number of Chinese people from our community that got together. And uh, we were invited because of our son, Ricardo, Ricky, uh, which we are so blessed to have him in our home. He's, he's a d very delightful young man. If you haven't got to meet him, introduce yourself to him. But so I asked Another host, uh, mom there, her name was Julie. I said, okay, what standards do you look for in people that you believe are important in the relationship? And she said, respect and trust. That's good. How many of you agree with that? You know, those are, those are definitely standards. To somebody that uh, is showing respect, somebody I can trust. And then I asked Ricky. I said, what are important standards that you look for in the relationships? And he said, honest and then trustworthy. And trustworthy is a good word because that means they're worthy of your trust. They've proven themselves to be worthy of your trust. And then I asked Deb, of course, and she said, caring, thoughtful, and unselfish. Oh, those are also great qualities to look for as standards in uh, building a relationship with someone else. And then it's knowing that, oh, hallelujah. I'm going to take a moment here and maybe shift directions. 
And maybe one more passage before we bring this message to close. If Jesus is our standard, as believers, we have a responsibility to set and maintain God's standard to a hurting world. 2 Corinthians 5.20 tells us that, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were entreating through us. We beg you on Christ, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. See, we're an ambassador to this world. We are a representative to this world for Jesus Christ. How well are we doing at that? See, God's calling us to raise the standard. It's not time to lower it, but to raise the standard in the level of expectation in our life. The standard is not just some set of ideals. It's not just some do's or don'ts. The standard is Jesus And as believers, we become the standard for this world because Jesus lives in us. We set the standard as God's representation on this earth because we are to represent Jesus. In fact, uh, it's not a bunch of do's and don'ts. That's not a standard that we're looking for. But it's a standard of how we love. In John 17, in verse 20 and 21 Jesus talked as he prayed, he prayed for the disciples. He prayed for those followers who followed him. And he said, Father, that they would be one with us. That they'd be one with me as I'm one with you. So that the world will believe that you sent me. So how is the world to know that God sent Jesus when they see his love in us? So now that's a standard that we can aim for. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearerefuge.net.